Welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Again podcast. It's a beautiful, cloudy Friday afternoon here in Portland, and I'm really excited to be recording the first in a series of episodes where we're going to be turning the mic around and interviewing you, members of our Born Again Again community. Now, as you listen to these stories, I encourage you to have an open mind and open heart and really put yourselves in their shoes. Notice if there's anything shared that you especially relate to, if there's anything that triggers something in you, or maybe you'll hear something that you've never really thought about before. I think that by opening our hearts and really listening and feeling into others' stories, we have a tremendous opportunity to become more compassionate people, um, which will allow us to be more understanding towards everyone in our lives, both those we agree with and those that we disagree with. Listening to others open up and share deep and vulnerable parts of their lives may also shine a light on a shadowy part of yourself that you don't really give much attention to, or maybe you keep repressed or pushed down on purpose. I would encourage you as you listen to look for those shadowy parts in yourself and turn to face those shadows with love and care when they do appear. This whole thing is about healing and about becoming the truest, most free, released versions of ourselves, and I'm so excited that this community exists in such a beautiful way that we can all go after that same goal together. If you want to support the podcast, then you can head over to our Patreon. Each one of you who's supporting Born Again Again on Patreon is allowing Katie and I to spend the time necessary to keep this good thing going, and we're so, so grateful for that. You can also support the show by leaving a review, or you can join the discussion on Facebook or follow our Instagram page. Now, it's time to get cozy and get ready to laugh, cry, and celebrate together during our very first Born Again Again story with Stacy. Enjoy! All right, well, hi, Stacy, and thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me, Joe. I'm really excited to talk to you. I've listened to you guys from pretty much the beginning. When you started your podcast, I found you on Reddit. Oh, really? And yeah, and you guys were seriously instrumental in my own deconversion and healing. So to be able to talk to you is this is remarkable for me. Oh, Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah definitely. Really- that means a lot. It's so funny hearing like hearing from people who have followed along with the podcast from the beginning because, you know, for us when we first started, we were figuring it out as we went, you know, so it kind of feels like we grew up with all of you guys kind of together and went through this whole process together. So it's really special to me right now that like, I can have you on here and hear your side of the story and hear kind of how the whole process was for you, because it's, I feel like a lot of us are living this kind of strange parallel journey together. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited that we'll be able to get to hear from, from you. Um, so I know like from experience that there's, going to be tons of ground to cover. Um, so I'm going to try to keep things moving a little bit by maybe going at it in kind of a chronological way. Sure. Um, so to start things off, um, I'd love if you'd kind of share a bit about your beliefs now, just before we get into kind of where you came from in terms of your Christian history. So yeah, are you a staunch atheist or are you agnostic or kind of where are you sitting with things now? The great question where I'm sitting right now in this moment is that, you know, I'm a wanderer. And so I think that it's, I'm always going to be searching and growing and learning. Um, I've in the past year, I've really gotten into tarot, tarot cards. And so I am a tarot reader. Um, I would consider myself very spiritual. 
I don't believe in God. I, I don't believe in like a, a being called God. I believe mm-hmm. in the universe and that we're all part of the divine. Um, I believe in connection between humans and I definitely believe in the, the spirit world, but um, I, I also believe that multiple realities can coexist in the same plane. So, you know, what I believe can exist in the same world as whatever you believe and they're both truth. So I believe in truth. I believe in love and that's really where I'm at. I'm, I'm spiritual. I don't ascribe to any religion. I just kind of do my own thing. And, um, I, I meditate um, every morning. I'm part of my morning routine. I get up early. I meditate. I journal. I read my tarot cards. Um, I really believe in mindfulness. One of the books that was instrumental in my healing so far was the five core skills of mindfulness. Hmm. And that book, I read that this summer, it absolutely changed my life. Um, wow. So it, um, It showed me that healing was possible, that we can actually rewire our brains and that the trauma responses that I've had my whole life, they don't have to define me. So I'm really on this journey of self-improvement more than anything else. I want to be my highest, truest self and just be myself. You know, people say that, but I never really knew what that meant until now Mm -hmm. of just be myself, do what I want to do, um, you know, invest in the the people and the things that I want to invest in. So um, I'm spiritual, but not religious. And I love everybody. I believe in, in magic and, <laughs> you know, just uh, connecting with nature mm-hmm. and just really living every day to the absolute fullest that I can, because every day is a gift. So yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I relate to that a lot. How fun is it that you can kind of just like dabble in anything you want and learn about anything you want and try out any kind of new spirituality or whatever that you want? I personally so love it. Yes. It's so fun. It's yeah. so fun. <laughs> totally. Cool. Um, yeah, that's, re- that's really, really beautiful. Um, so that's kind of where you're at now. Let's go back to your history with Christianity. Were you raised in it? Did you find your faith on your own? Kind of how did you, how'd you get into the bubble? How was I in the bubble? Well, I like to say I was a Christian from in utero. I mean, my okay. I was born to Christian parents who were born to Christian parents who were born to Christian parents. So it, you know, it's the long line of Christians in my family. Most of my family is still Christian on some spectrum. So I was born in Ohio, so in the Midwest in the late 80s. And um, you know, I'm white. And so I grew up in a white area and was just kind of isolated, um, kind of in this bubble. And I say that I'm part of, or I was part of extreme white evangelical Christianity, okay. um, and extreme because we believe that the Bible was the inert one, word of God, that it was absolutely 100% true that Jesus was the way, the truth and the life. And that if you didn't ask Jesus into your heart, then you would be damned to hell. Um, let's see what else. So yeah, I was born in Ohio. Um, and I had, you know, a decent childhood in Ohio. Um, there was a lot of love in my family. Um, Mm -hmm. even though they were, my parents were very strict, you know, my dad wouldn't let us listen to really any music that had, you know, drums or guitars were considered, Mm -hmm. 
evil, I guess. <laughs> <Nice>. Okay. <laughs> Classic. And so, you know, we listened to, you know, hymns and things like that. And when I was maybe eight or nine years old, my mom bought a Stephen Curtis Chapman cassette tape. Ooh. And I was like, whoa, I was going to listen to it <laughs> in our van secretly. She was yeah. like, don't tell dad. And I was like, <laughs> I, that just like oh rocked my, my world. It was The Great Adventure. Well, that was the name of the album. And okay. I just absolutely loved it. And so eventually my dad loosened up a little bit and we did... Um, we were able to listen to contemporary Christian music, but that's kind of, you know, I was in this very insulated bubble where, you know, it was us and them. And so Mm -hmm. the world was evil. Everything that was secular was evil. We were young earth creationists. So we believed that the the earth was 5,000 years old and Mm -hmm. that lived with the dinosaurs, things like that. And that science was just, you know, the devil trying to deceive us. I mean, all kinds of stuff um, like that. I think you get the idea. Yeah, definitely. So my mom passed away from stomach cancer when I was 10 years old. And that was, you know, obviously really traumatic. It was a really hard thing for me and my family to go through. Um, And there were people in my family that told my father that my mom died because we didn't have enough faith and that, um, you know, it was kind of our fault or my dad's fault that she died. So really hurtful, hurtful stuff like that came about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, shortly after my mom died, my dad um, met a woman through my aunt, like this woman and my aunt were friends. They had gone to college together and um, they kind of met through her, but met this woman who was a widow um, who lived in Boise, Idaho and Mm -hmm. had this relationship with her over email and phone. And six months after my mom died, he married her. So my mom died in January of 98. And he was married to this other woman by, I think they got married in July of 98. And this wasn't someone that he even knew. I mean, he literally didn't even meet her until, you know, after my mom died. Wow. And so we moved from Ohio to Idaho. Um, and there's, I'm the oldest of three or four girls. And so I have three sisters and this woman had two daughters. And so now we were a blended family, six girls, which was intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and we moved, so we moved from Ohio to Idaho, which is across the country. And this woman is, is a narcissist. You know, she was very controlling and abusive. She, um, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, growing kids God's way. I think you guys even talked about it on the podcast. And so, um, you know, they really ascribe to that, which is a lot of control over your children. Um, spanking was a big thing. I was hit um, with various objects until I was 13 years old. They spanked me and controlled me. My stepmom cut us off from our family and like wouldn't let my grandmother talk to us, you know, things like that. Just, oh my gosh. Yeah, really isolating, abusive, controlling, neglectful. And so, you know, she was a Christian as well and really used um, God and the Bible and Christianity to control me and my sisters. And um, we moved to Idaho when I was about 11 years old and like I said, really isolated, really alone. Um, And because of our beliefs, which were, um, you know, that we are, we are born evil, we're born inherently bad and that we need Mm -hmm. Jesus. I've always 
I never had any self-esteem. I never thought that I was worth anything. I just thought that I was like this lowly piece of shit and that I deserved everything that was happening to me. Sure. I was good enough. You know, that's yeah. what we're told. And, you know, through my adolescence and into my teens, um, you know, another aspect is, of course, sexuality within Christianity. Christians are obsessed with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a woman, I, you know, being told that your value is in your virginity and in your purity and that my goal as a woman is to, in my purpose in life is to get married and be, you know, help me to my husband and to have children and reach people for the kingdom. So all my life, you know, I set myself up to be this person, even though it didn't really feel true or authentic. I just thought, well, the Bible says we have to crucify ourselves. You know, we yeah. have to deny ourselves. The flesh is evil above all things. Right. You know, the mind is wicked. The heart is wicked. Who can know it? And so you're told all these things over and over. And so you start to really deny your intuition, your gut feeling, everything. And so, um, you know, I had, I guess, a kind of typical Christian, um, adolescence where I went to youth groups and things like that Mm -hmm. really did a lot of outreach did they call it canvassing which is you know going out door door. and I'm sure totally yeah totally did some canvassing in my day so embarrassing like now Uh, it is really embarrassing (laughs) it's so cringy like the things that I did like witness to people on plane I know oh Um, my god it's like oh I'm so sorry people that I was like that to you that's oh, so interesting I, here, like hearing you say all the things that you believed about, you know, how you were supposed to be as a woman in the church and how you, you, your flesh was evil and how the world was deceiving you and all that. It's so interesting to me that like, this is something Katie and I talk about just personally all the time. We've talked about on the podcast all the time. We're, we're interacting with people in the different groups that we have all the time who are saying these things and, you know, reminding me of what it was like to be in Christianity. But still hearing you describe it now, there's part of me that is just like, how did I ever like go along with that? It's just, just, it just sounds so, so absurd at this point, you know, and it's, I'm, I'm curious how long it's going to be until it doesn't surprise me as much anymore. Or, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting that that is still something that when I hear you describing how Christianity was, even though I know that that's the way it was, that's how I was. It still is just like, it blows shocking. my mind. It's so yeah. shocking. Well, yeah. and it's brainwashing and it's not. And I think part of my journey has been a lot of self-forgiveness. Yeah, and definitely. Because I did go through a period of time in my 20s where I was very atheist. I described like, I, I'm an atheist. Christians are stupid. Mm-hmm. I hate Christians. <laughs> I hate Christianity. Mm-hmm. I hate religion, any religion. Um, and that's just, you know, that trauma response. Um, but I had, you know, I felt so stupid, like how, like you just said, how could I believe this stuff? Well, yeah. it's because I was told these things from the time I was in my mother's womb, you know, yeah. like my yeah. mother would read Bible verses to me and stuff when she was pregnant with me. So for me, I have to forgive myself and say, it's all I knew. It's literally Definitely. all I knew. And even though, you know, the cracks started to show very early on, like, you know, and some of the questions you asked, you know, how, how did you, you know, come out of it? Well, it, the questions have always been there, but again, you're told your intuition is wrong and bad. Like that's just the devil talking to you, or that's just your really evil flesh talking to you. So when you hear these things, you're like, oh, okay. So I, I have these feelings that it's not right, but what else are you supposed to do with that? You know, you have your parents, your 
grandparents, all of your friends, all of your teachers. You know, I went to Christian schools my whole life until I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So for my whole life, I was in this insulated bubble and being told to deny myself. So I have definitely had to forgive myself and say, it's okay. You did the best you could with what you knew. And once you got out of that, you've done better and better and better. And so, you know, I don't think it should ever stop shocking us because, (laughs) you know, that's part of the drive. You know, it is very shocking. And that's why I I came from a cult. Um, I truly firmly believe that because when you are in a group that tells you that you're a piece of shit and that you have to give 10% of your income to the church, and you have to, you know, follow everything that we say, mm-hmm. we're going to hell. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> frightening you with eternal damnation. I mean, who wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, I need to accept Jesus into my heart. You yeah. Know? I, I want to be saved and I want to <laughs> of course. Friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it takes a lot of self-forgiveness and awareness to kind of come out of that. Um, But, you know, another part of, you know, being a Christian, like I said, is that sexuality. And I knew from a very young age that I was not entirely straight, but because Mm -hmm. I was in such a bubble, you know, we, homosexuality is a sin, you know, it's truly a sin. Like you can be sent to hell for being a homosexual. And Mm -hmm. eventually my parents like quote loosened up to say, well, being homosexual isn't bad. It's acting on those urges. So I'm like, okay. So God <laughs> made these people this way, but then he's going to condemn them to hell. Like they can't even love, they can't even enjoy sex. They can't even have a huge part of the human experience or they're going to be sent to hell. Like that did not make sense to me. Yeah. And one of my cousins who's about my age, you know, when he finally came out as gay, you know, it didn't really shock anybody because we kind of all knew. And I was like, hell yeah, like he is living his true self. I was really jealous. I was like, damn, like he's, that's awesome. You know, and this is maybe hmm. high school or right after high school that he came out. And um, my parents were just shocked and appalled, you know, like, oh, we got to pray for him, um, you know, all this. And, and inside, I couldn't say it, but I was like, that's fucking awesome. Like he's living his <laughs> true self. That's so cool. Yeah. I wish I could do that, you know? Um, and then when he got married, um, you know, several years, a couple years ago, you know, none of very little of our family came to his wedding and, you know, he got married in North Carolina. So I, my daughter was the, the flower girl. And so we flew down to North Carolina to go to his wedding. And it was such a beautiful event and such a celebration of love. And I was so yeah. proud of him. And the fact that most of our family didn't come was just like, that was hard, but you know, it, it was, it was good to be there and it was good to, to support him in that way. And, um, you know, so going back to that and, you know, in my Christian experience, knowing I wasn't entirely straight, but not being able to live my highest self was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, of course, um, being a Christian woman, my goal is to get married. And so um, after, um, you know, there's, there's so much Joe and just, I I (laughs) also just, you know, cut me off or redirect me as needed. It's totally fine. But um, I did eventually go to a high school, uh, to a public high school in um, Eagle, Idaho, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. Like it really opened me up because I, you know, it was a school of like 4,000 kids. And so I got to see other cultures, other religions. And even though Idaho is still pretty, you know, white, I mean, there's not a whole lot of diversity in Boise, Idaho, at least at the time, it still opened me up out of my bubble that I had been in for so long. And, um, and were you still like, 
pretty involved with your church and stuff at this point and your family Absolutely. and everything. Absolutely. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, we went to church every Sunday, um, Sunday nights, sometimes during the week as well. I went on missions trips. I was in youth groups. I was in, you know, whatever groups I needed to be in. Um, my parents had been Sunday school teachers at some point, you know, on and off mm-hmm. through the years. I mean, we, I was in it You're and full I on. Lived, yeah. oh I full hardcore you know like I yeah. did the canvassing like I I did the outreach I did you know all of it and I I love to travel I've always wanted to travel I've always wanted to write um, I've been a writer my whole life and so I thought well God gave me these skills so so I use them for His glory right <laughs> of course so of course I was like I love to travel so that means I have to be a missionary and uh-huh. I got to go to Africa or something <laughs> like, right. <laughs> You know, like I just, I really thought that any skills or anything good that was about myself, God had given me and I had to use it for his glory or I was wasting it. Yeah. And so, you know, on and off through my adolescence, um, you know, I saw therapist, I, uh, my stepmom really told me that there was something wrong with me. Yeah. And, um, because I, it was really hard for me to conform to the Christian life. A lot of times, again, I had these own, my own doubts. Um, and I'm very headstrong, very strong, <laughs> independent lady. And I always have been, and she didn't really like that. And so she said there was always something wrong with me. And so I had to go to therapist. Um, and everybody kind of said the same thing that I was just an angry young lady. My mom had died and I never had processed that never went to therapy. We never talked about it. Oh my gosh. It was just like one day we picked up and moved. We left all of my mom's stuff in Ohio (laughs) and didn't even like have her stuff. You know, it was so weird. And like, yeah, my stepmom just got rid of a lot of our stuff from our previous life without asking, just threw it out. Oh man. And you know, um, uh, sorry, if I do start crying, you know, it, it happens. I'm a crier. So I might, uh, we want to get real here. Anyways, we're talking about real stuff. It's bound <laughs> to happen. Real. Just yeah. Real, man. So yeah, there's, um, I really struggled a lot, um, living in that house and my stepmom and I never got along. And mm-hmm. at, when I was in seventh grade, it got to the point where she said that she couldn't live with me anymore. And so that started her sending me to live with other people. And so I started, I, in seventh grade, I lived with a family from my church and that was really hard. I was isolated from my family. You know, they told me I, I, until I was good and basically could fall in line. Like I wasn't welcome back into the family and all these therapists are just saying, you know, she's a normal kid. You know, she's angry. She's never processed grief, yada, yada. But every time a therapist would tell her that she would stop therapy with that therapist and find somebody else. So she was like bouncing around from therapist to therapist, trying to get someone to diagnose me with something. I'm not really sure, but she just didn't like these answers. And so I bounced around from home to home. I lived with various family members and various families from the church. Um, It was really hard time in my life. I was really depressed, suicidal. I mean, when I say suicidal, like completely suicidal, I remember just laying on the floor asking God to just take me because I couldn't stand living that house one more minute. Wow. And I, you know, being Christian, you think that, you know, your family, when they die, they go to heaven. And so I was like, I just want to be with my mom. Like, fuck this place. I, I want to be with someone who truly loved me. And, you know, this woman, this, my stepmom does not love me. 
So I was suicidal, um, a lot of self-harm. Um, I struggled with eating disorders. I was diagnosed with clinical depression in high school. Um, you know, just really struggled a lot with my mental health and with eating. And I know that that's not uncommon um, because when you're so controlled in every aspect of your life, like your body is really the only thing you can control. And so mm. I would either binge eat. I started binge eating when I was 10 years old, right after my mom died is the first time I, I started that. So I struggled with binge eating. I've um, struggled with, you know, starving myself and, you know, excessive exercise, like just not eating anything and running, 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 um, and stuff like that. Um, so all throughout my adolescence, I'm just struggling with all of all of these things, um, yeah. trying to come to terms with, you know, not being straight with um, just not knowing who I am, where I'm going. And um, it finally came to a head where my stepmom at one point took her daughters and my half brother and just left our home, went to a hotel, wouldn't tell my dad where she was and just said, I won't come back until she's gone. And like, you have to choose it's her or me. What in the And world? my dad chose her. <laughs> this is. And so at this point I'm like in ninth grade because I was in high school, ninth or 10th grade. And so that was the first time I cut myself. And so I was just like, holy shit, like I'm the cause of all this distress in my home. Like I took all of this on me that I am bad. I'm a piece of shit. I'm still like, I prayed all the time and I'm like, God, why aren't you changing me? Like change me, created me a clean heart. Oh Lord, oh you know, as the deer pants for the water, like, so my soul longs for you, you know, like I loved um, the Psalms and the Proverbs, because it was like so much of David's experience was just like depression. And he's like, yeah. I cry out for help. I cry for like, I'm suffering. Lord, help me. And that spoke to me of, you know, I'm suffering, like, help me, Jesus, please. And I always felt so alone. I was so alone my whole life. And I never really received any comfort um, from Jesus. I didn't really feel that a lot because I, mm -hmm. I suffered a lot. Um, and I was abused and neglected and, um, so were my sisters. So watching my sisters be abused and neglected as well was horrifying, horrifying. And I took a lot of the, the, um, a lot of my stepmom's frustration and anger because I would stand up for myself and I would stand up for my sisters. And so then I would take the brunt of everything so that they could be at peace. Mm. And, um, so when I was, yeah, I, I self-harmed and she, you know, my dad chose her and I went to, um, a, this, a school counselor at my school and was just like, I fucking want to die. And I, like, I showed her the cuts on my arms and I'm, you know, sometimes when I think about my past, I'm like, I don't, why did anybody like do something about it? You know, like call, yeah. call somebody, do no something. Kidding. You know? You're like, you're just a little kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my and gosh. I, I have had family members come and apologize to me and they're like, I'm so sorry that we didn't know the extent of what was happening and that we didn't do more to help you. Mm. And so like, it was, it's just one of those things, you know, where we were fed, we were clothed. And so people don't see the abuse and neglect that's happening inside the four walls. You know, it was very secretive. Sure. And um, so when I told my school counselor that I was basically suicidal and I cut myself and like this was what was happening, um, 
she was like, yeah, like this is really concerning. We should get you out. And I talked to a trusted teacher who was actually Mormon. And, um, I was like, I just got to get out of this house. And so she did invite me to live with her and her family. And I lived Mm. with this Mormon family for a time in high school. Um, and like, I believe it was 10th grade. And at the end of my 10th grade year, um, my dad sent me to live in North Carolina with family. Like my stepmom hated me so much that she couldn't even be in the same state as me. So, you know, like talk about (laughs) abandonment issues. Yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so extreme. Wow. Yeah. Very extreme, very extreme, um, perplexing. And so I did, uh, end of my 10th grade year, I went to go live with family in North Carolina in the Bible belt. So (laughs) I will say that that family, that part of my family, my dad's side of the family, they love me deeply. They've always been really supportive. And even though they're still very Christian, um, they've always loved me. They've never judged me. They've always supported me 100%. And so they are amazing, lovely people. And, um, you know, I lived with them for a time until my, uh, halfway through my senior year of high school, I did end up moving back to Idaho uh, because I had been, I was better now, I guess I was, it was <laughs> okay. acceptable for me to move back home. Oh um, I think what happened is I was getting too happy and my stepmom was like, Nope, that's, that's not going to happen. You know, I, I started having plans for my future. I was going to go to yeah. college. I was, you know, there, I had plans. I had a lot of friends, you know, all throughout my childhood, I never had friends. Like we weren't allowed to do anything, anything. I mean, we, it was weird. My parents were like, this is all we need. It's just our family and it's us against everybody else. And so it was very isolating and I I never had friends. I I could never do anything. And, um, do you think that was like religious, like because of religion or was it just the personalities of your stepmom and your dad or that was more them. Yeah. That okay. was more, um, cause I know not all Christians are like that of and course, yeah. obviously. And so you mix that control with the religion and it's just a really powerful dynamic, yeah. Yeah. Up, you know? So that mm-hmm. was more them, um, more my stepmom who was really, really controlling and narcissistic more than any, more than the religion itself. But sure. she used that religion as a tool to control us. Does that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so, yeah, move, move back my senior year of high school and graduated high school. And I wanted to go to college and my, <laughs> my stepmom was like, well, you know, I, I've really had a lot of conversations with God. And I think that what you need to do, God's telling me that you need to go to Ecola Bible school, oh which is Cannon beach, Oregon. It, this is not like a real school. Okay. This is like, it's in Oregon. Get, it's an There's Oregon. a college. At, we go to Cannon Beach like three times a month and go to the coast. I had no clue. There's a school. There. Right? It's like a little yeah. like tourist town with like an ice cream shop and a, a taffy store. And right. okay, I used to work at Bella Espresso. I don't know if they're still there. Do you guys ever go get coffee at uh, Bella Espresso downtown? I don't, I, like I don't remember. But shop. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> I used to work there, but um, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like no one knows it's there because it's like a one year <laughs> program where, you know, people of all ages, it's more of like, you know, self-discovery. You, you just kind of learn about the Bible and Mm -hmm. there's no real, 
you don't get anything out of it. You know, like you don't get a degree or sure. any credits. It's just <laughs> okay. you go there and learn about the, the Bible. And, you know, Francis Chan, actually, I met him because he was one of the speakers there. And, you know, he's like big and he's freaking kind right. of out there. He's a little bit, you know, but, um, you know, th- those people I looked up to because I was like, wow, they're such spiritual leaders of God, you know, and um so I went to Ecola Bible School on the coast <laughs> right, instead nice. of going to college like I wanted to. And um, I was 18 years old and that was the first time I was completely on my own. And mm-hmm. it was awesome. Like that was my first taste of freedom. And like, wow, I think that I do have something to offer. Like people actually like me and mm-hmm. I'm making friends. And I started to get a little bit of self-esteem and I met a boy there, of course. And mm-hmm. um, we we're both 18 and he was from Fairbanks, Alaska. And, um, he, his aspirations were to be a youth pastor. You know, he really felt, you know, a heart for the Lord and a heart for for youth. (laughs) And so he's 18 years old and, you know, Uh that's that's good. It's, you know, I I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to, you know, help the youth and make them, you know, better or whatever. But, um, he had aspirations of being a youth pastor (laughs) and, um, I, I didn't really know what the hell I wanted to do with my life. And so we dated while we were there at the Bible school. And after school was over, um, I stayed that summer and we just had the, you know, the time of our lives and, you know, traveling up and down the Oregon coast is so beautiful and going to Portland before Portland got like too crazy, but it was like, that was like the good, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the early O's were a really good time in Portland. It was pretty Mm -hmm. fun. And, um, so we had a really good time, you know, had a lot of self, a lot more self-esteem, but had never addressed a lot of the trauma that I had been through. And I was still in it. I was still in it and going yeah. to church and really involved in, in youth ministry. Um, I taught Sunday school and things like that. And um, so eventually I moved back to Idaho. He moved back to Alaska and um, I worked for a bank and that was horrible. Really hated, hated that. Really boring, mm-hmm. really, really boring. Um, and I was really involved in church Um you know, my boyfriend and I were really exploring our sexuality. You know, we were both virgins and mm-hmm. so getting to explore that with someone who was really safe was good, but like, we were very, we felt very guilty about it, you know, like we need to have boundaries and we can't hug like, like this. And we can't kiss like that. Like uh-huh. not too much tongue, you know, like all these weird <laughs> things that you tell yourself. Uh, Skirting the line, like getting just as close as you can without like crossing that boundary or whatever. Like whatever this arbitrary line is, you know, you know, my stepmom would tell me that, oh, you know, you, it's so amazing. You should like save your first kiss to your wedding day. And I'm like, what? Like (laughs) crazy. And even as a kid, I remember being like, how can you like not have sex with someone before you marry them? Like if this is supposed to be a life partnership, shouldn't you make sure that like everything is kind of on par that you're like each other before you make that huge commitment? Um, sounds like pretty good common sense. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. Um, so when I, I lost my job at the bank I was working at and my boyfriend, you know, we were 19 at the time and he was like, well, why don't you just move to Fairbanks? And I was like, yeah, why not? You know, I had visited a couple times. I loved it. I'm like the first time I visited, I saw a moose and I just thought that was the <laughs> coolest thing in the whole world. I mean, he was right there in front of me. Amazing. I saw the Northern lights. I just really fell in love oh, with cool. Alaska. It's isolated. It's, uh, there's a lot of freedom. I don't know. I loved it. I vibed with it. So I did. I just decided, well, I'm just going to move to Fairbanks. Why the heck not? 
And so I moved up there. I worked at a Christian camp. And so again, my boyfriend is wanting to be a youth pastor. His parents ran this Christian camp up there. Um, but they were lovely people, like really, really lovely. They were those Christians that are all full of love for everybody and just want to help people. And they still had some off the cuff beliefs. They were pretty strict, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. very loving, which is not something I experienced in my life growing up. And so we eventually did get married, of course, as Christian, horny Christian kids (laughs) do. (laughs) So we're 21 when we got married. I was barely 21 when we got married. And um, he was, he, he was a youth pastor. And so I was, I was teaching Sunday school. I was also part of, um, an organization called Bible study fellowship or BSF, mm-hmm. which is a worldwide organization actually. And it's weekly Bible studies. And so they have like the women's part and then they have the children's part. And I was part of the women's like, as, um, you know, just learning. And then they asked me to teach children. So I taught Sunday school at church and at VSF. And so I'm teaching all these things. And like, there's like this weird, you know, I'm like living this double life, right? Because like inside I'm like, ah, there's, there's so many things that I'm not agreeing with because as I'm going out into the world, I'm realizing why is abortion bad? Like, you know, my, I realized that my parents were racist and sexist and I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, I, why can't I do everything that a man can do? And why can't I teach in the church? And why can't, why are things the way that they are? I just, I couldn't comprehend, I don't know, just um, my equating my feelings and what I was being taught. It just didn't make sense. It didn't mesh. And so I was starting, the cracks started very early, but they got wider and wider and wider as I got older and expanded out into the world. And I'm a seeker. I've always been a seeker. And so I, I just, I wanted to know everything. And when I look at other religions, I'm like, you know, if you look at these other religions or thought processes, people believe what they believe based on where they were born and, you know, who they right. were born to. And so the only reason I'm a Christian is because I was born to Christian parents and I was born in America, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I could have just as easily been Buddhist or Muslim or anything else if I had born been born in another part of the world. So I started softening up my views a little bit while still teaching them and still ascribing to them because, you know, you can't sure. avoid these, these things because then you'll, you know, you're looked down on or you're judged or you're not a good Christian woman, blah, 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 you know, whatever it is. And, you know, we also, my husband and I started ex- uh, experimenting with, you know, with sex, with different things. We were both very open and loved to explore. And so then we started exploring with other people. And then that mm-hmm. was where I was really like, oh my God, um, I am truly living a double life because I'm now like having sex with other people, but like married and, you know, it was like consensual, whatever. But I was like, this doesn't feel right. Sure. And then that's when I started to feel like, oh my gosh, I, I think I'm bi-curious, but I'm mostly straight. I think I'm, that's what I used to say, like, okay. I'm curious, but mostly straight. So, you know, there's like that, that undercurrent in my whole life of that, that part of myself that I was denying and repressing. And so, um, you know, we bop along, things happen. And when I was 23 years old, you know, something happened between my, my husband and I that I just couldn't come to terms with. And so mm-hmm. I ended up leaving him and I left the church at that point. I was just like, you know what? 
I'm so sick and tired of people telling me what to do. I'm tired of not being able to be open and explore the world fully as a human. And I now I'm atheist. And that's where I can't kind of went to where I, I hate Christians and I hate yeah. religion, you know, wow. all of that stuff and really swung hard the other way. So was it, I, I'm, I'm surprised to, well, I was going to ask earlier that um, like how you were able to kind of hold like this insane trauma that you had from your childhood and growing up and that kind of being wrapped up a bit in the church and at least like involvement in the church and Christianity and church life all the way up through, you know, getting married and then eventually leaving your husband. Um, I'm surprised in a way that you were able to kind of maintain both sides of yourself for so long, you know, the side that was open-minded and questioning and, you know, wanting to explore the world and maybe having doubts and then the other side that was still in the church. So when you when you left your husband, was it just a clean break from the church at that point? Was it, I mean, did that feel like a huge relief for you or something that was long overdue? Or, you know, what made that break so clean for you? You know, it, it was a relief um, because I felt a freedom at that moment that I had never really felt before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how was I able to hold it together? Honestly, I wasn't very well because I was super depressed. You know, sure. I was really, really depressed for most of my life, um, really unhappy. And not that I didn't have a lot of love and joy in my life because my, honestly, you know, our marriage was really good. We were best mm-hmm. friends and we got along really well in a lot of ways. And so, you know, he showed me a love that I've never, I never experienced before, you know, not since my mom died. And so, um, I think he kind of helped me through and then also fear really kept me in place because, you know, I've, I'm a writer and I've journaled since I was a child. And so I would just put my thoughts down on paper and that seemed to give me a little bit of relief. Um, and I had a rich inner life where I just, I just think a lot about a lot Mm -hmm. of things. And so um, I think it was really fear holding me in place. Um, Fear of death, fear of eternal damnation, of not being able to see my mom again, fear of everything, fear of myself, (laughs) you know, just fear um, really holds us in place. And when I finally left my husband and left the church, um, I, unfortunately, it wasn't a totally healthy thing because I like immediately moved in with this man who, um, was a pretty hardcore atheist. And, um, you know, I feel like I jumped from the frying pan into the fire type of thing, Mm, you know, where I left one abusive situation, but went right into another one. (laughs) So it was like, it was a stepping stone. So more than like a clean break, it was more of a stepping stone. And it, it, I wouldn't even say it was a clean break because you think about how you carry that trauma throughout your life. Right. And so what I did is instead of healing, I jumped from serving God and having God as that main person in my life to now serving men. And I would, you know, I put everything into relationships and like, mm. I, now I have to be, you know, the best wife and mother, whatever, because, you know, before I had to seek validation and love and joy from God. Well, he's not mm-hmm. there anymore. I don't believe in him. And so now I have to get it from somewhere. I didn't realize yeah. that I could yeah. get it from myself. Right. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think that's a really common pattern that people go through. You leave one abusive situation and immediately get into another one without even realizing it because you've, I mean, in your case, especially you've like never lived life 
outside of an abusive environment. It's like, you don't even know what life Absolutely. is like, not in an abusive way. Yeah. So Absolutely. that makes total sense. Yeah. And that's, that's been hard for me to come to terms with, to be honest of like, holy shit, I have lived in that fight or flight state for all of my life. And yeah. that's why I have anxiety and depression <laughs> and mental health issues. Like it wasn't because there was even something wrong with my brain. It was because I, you know, and I have, I was diagnosed with PTSD as well. Um, I think in my twenties mm-hmm. and now we know about complex PTSD, which results from sustained prolonged trauma. Yeah. Um, and that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, getting talking about religious trauma syndrome or RTS because that kind of trauma, yeah, you don't know that freedom. When you live under that for so long, you don't realize what you're doing when you're doing it. You don't, you're like, why, why do people keep hurting me? Why do I mm-hmm. keep getting in these situations where people take advantage of me? Well, it's because I had no self-esteem. I had no boundaries whatsoever. It was just like, you know, and you know this, Joe, in the Bible, it's just, it's over and over again, like deny self, like take up the cross, crucify yeah. yourself, like empty yourself of flesh and like only pour in the spirit. Right. Right. <laughs> so when you're told that your whole life, it's like, well, I have to fill myself up with something, you yeah, know, exactly. Like, I can't just be wandering out there by myself. Totally. So, you know, I, when I married my second husband, um, you know, when we had two children together, it was, it was hard. It was, I was a stay at home mom. I was very isolated. That's when I moved to Anchorage and I didn't have any friends. I, um, I didn't really have a lot of self-esteem. I didn't know that what I had been through was abuse, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I had been abused until I had my daughter and my daughter's eight now. And so Mm -hmm. when I had my babies, I, I looked at them and I was just like, I can't imagine treating them the way that I was treated ever, no matter what these babies do in life. I will love them 100%. I love everything about them, everything about their personalities. They are just fantastic individuals and I can never imagine treating them the way that I was treated. And so when I was 25 years old, you know, I realized that it was abuse and I called it abuse for the first time. And I ended up, I finally went no contact with my stepmom because even okay. through my twenties and everything, I still kept trying to have this relationship with her. Wow. Even though she didn't love me and like, she hated everything about me. Um, I still was like, Oh, I just got to get her approval, you know? <laughs> yeah. And she just really approved of nothing about me. You know, I, you can't see me here, but like I have tattoos all over mm-hmm. and pierced, you know, and she didn't really appreciate my alternative lifestyle. And um, I just wanted her approval so badly. But then when I was 25 years old is when I finally cut her off. And I was like, enough is enough. I, yeah. I realized I don't have to be treated this way. I don't have to stand for this. I'm yeah. a grown ass woman and I can do whatever the heck I want. You know, <laughs> I just, because you're my stepmom doesn't mean I have to have a relationship with you. Yeah. And unfortunately, because of me cutting my stepmom off, I also basically cut off my father as well by his choice, wow. you know, um, unfortunately. And so I, I really don't talk with either of my, with my dad or my stepmom anymore, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm all the better for it. I immediately felt relief from that. Yeah. Um, that was wonderful. Um, and so I, you know, fitness is really what changed my life. You know, I was a medical billing specialist up until this point, I had worked in the medical field and had my own business. Um, and then 
you know, just the, the self-hatred I had for my body and with, you know, the binge eating and the excessive exercise, I was just like, something has to change here. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't feel good when I do these things. I, I want to be healthy. I want to be strong. And so that opened me up to the world of weightlifting. And I, I just loved it. I loved being physically strong and capable. It completely changed my body. I felt healthy. I could eat a lot of food. Um, I had a much better view of myself. Um, mm. I, after I had my two kids, I, I did two fitness competitions and that was awesome. That was quite an experience and self-love mm-hmm. and self-care. And, you know, after that, I just started kind of trying you know, training my friends, people would ask me for advice and whatever. And I love to research and read. And so that's what kind of got me to where I am today. People, everyone was like, man, you should really be a personal trainer. You should teach people this stuff. You know, a lot. It's like, man, I, at this point, I'm like, I'm 30 years old. I can't like <laughs> change my career at 30. Yeah. <laughs> no, I have two kids. What are you talking about? But I did, I was like, you know, why not? So I got my personal training certification and I talked to the gym owner who had known me for years and she hired me on the spot. And that kind of got me into realizing that we're so disconnected from our bodies, like especially women, we loathe our bodies and that's across the board, not even having to do with Christianity, but just in, in society as a whole, you know, women are told they have to look a certain way and act a certain way to be attractive to Mm -hmm. men, get a man. And I just started to think like, you know, fuck this. I mean, (laughs) women are amazing. You know, we are really incredible individuals and we're, we can do whatever the hell we want. And, you know, I, my transformation came from, um, just wanting to feel better about myself and wanting to be healthy. And I, that's what I wanted for other women is to show them that there is a better way. And, you know, now as I train clients, um, I'll call myself a holistic personal trainer because we don't just talk about lifting weights, you know, we talk about body positivity and, you know, I'll have my clients even look in the mirror. I'm like, okay, well tell me, tell me three things that you like about yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. and I have them actually look at themselves and, um, see the beauty in themselves. Um, and so that, I would imagine that's hard for people who've Mm -hmm. never really like asked themselves that question before, or really considered that, Mm -hmm. uh, women, sometimes cry in the middle of our sessions just because they're like, like I've never, yeah, I've never done that. I've never really looked at myself and been like, what do I like about myself? Yeah. And so realizing that everyone is so, we're so disconnected from our bodies. I was like, man, we we've got to learn how to integrate that mind, body and spirit into our lives, because how can we be happy if we're denying a part of ourselves? Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really started the last couple of years, I really started softening towards religion and spirituality. And I was like, you know, uh, I think that anything can be truth and I'm just going to do what makes me feel good and what I Mm -hmm. like. And then other people can do that. And we can all just be happy together if we're like feeding into ourselves, you know, and not worrying so much about these arbitrary standards. Um, And I'll say that one of the books that really, really affected me, um, I read it back in August of 2019, was Jamie Lee Finch's You Are Your Own. And I love Mm. that you guys had her on the podcast because she has been a huge inspiration to me. When I read her book, I was like, oh my God, like I could have written this. You know, our stories are very similar. Yeah. 
you know, she grew up with a, you know, in an abusive home as well. Right. Right. And going from that place of hating your body, hating yourself, wanting to like kill the flesh, you know, whatever, and going to a place of acceptance and love and realizing that our bodies are our own and that they're also, my body's a person. And she hears <laughs> when I say things about yeah, her like, yeah. I'm and I'm ugly, you know, like she hears <laughs> those things. Right. And, and she responds to that. Um, and so I started thinking, well, what if, what if I told her good things, you know, like, I love you and you're beautiful and you're so healthy and I drink water so I can feel good and I eat healthy food. So I look and feel my best. And what if I just started pouring positivity into my life instead of all this negativity? And, um, you know, this last summer I went through another pretty traumatic event. I was in another toxic relationship because again, it's just like, you know, one thing after another and yeah. not having um the boundaries of self-esteem to say no or to stand up for myself sure I found myself in another toxic situation and when that all blew up i had to really sit down and i said what the fuck am i doing what am mm -hmm. i doing with my life mm -hmm. i'm i'm so depressed i'm so unhappy like what can i do to not feel this way. And that's when I just started this whole journey of spirituality and just, I don't know, once I just put that mirror up to myself and say like, Hey, like, what can I do? Um, that, so that this never happens again, you know, yeah. uh, what is my role and my responsibility and stuff that's happened in my life? Yeah. Um, beautiful. And, you know, when we're children, we, don't have any, we don't have many resources. We don't have a lot of power, but I realized as an adult, I, I do have resources and power that I did not have before. And so I don't have to act out these trauma responses anymore. I don't have to have these coping mechanisms. And I've struggled with, you know, alcohol abuse. I've struggled with all, you know, some addiction and compulsive behaviors and I just didn't want to live like that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just, I, yeah. I, tired of being unhealthy in my physical body. I was really tired of being unhealthy in my spiritual body. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, this summer changed everything for me. And it was that slow build, you know, like finding you guys, finding Jamie Lee Finch and just, it was like these little steps, right? These little <laughs> seeds that were planted yeah. over and over. And then when you guys disappeared, I was like, no, I mean, <laughs> I was like, where did they go? <laughs> but I, I was like, okay, just give them love and grace. Like they're obviously doing their own thing. When you guys came back, I was just thrilled. And I think I even messaged you on Instagram. I was like, thank you for like continuing the work. This is so important to talk about these things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a crazy crazy journey so far. And for the first time in my life, and I'm 33 now, first time in my life, I feel a freedom and a love and acceptance that I've never had ever. And I, I can feel my power, you know, and I, this power of self-love and positivity is so real and it sounds cheesy. And sometimes you know, I hesitate to even share because I don't want people to feel like, oh, well, she's so positive and, you know, I, I'm depressed and I, I can never be that and whatever. Yeah. But, you know, unless you know where I came from, like, um, I can see how that would be weird or intimidating, but truly I have been in some really low places and speaking truth and positivity to myself I've manifested money. I've manifested friendships, relationships, opportunities, um, all kinds of stuff that I never thought was possible before. And 
um, just by being my true authentic self, I have made an impact in other people's lives, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as a mother of two children, it's my responsibility to help them make a better world, you know, and I don't yeah. own them. I don't control them. I'm, I'm merely their shepherd, you know, like trying to redefine what that means. Cause being controlled by a parent, like that's all, you know? And so, um, but when I, I just knew that's not how I wanted to parent. I knew that's yeah. not how I wanted to be, you know, I want to speak truth and love into my children and have them truly love themselves and to turn around and make an impact in other people's lives. Um, and you know, that's why we're here. We're here for connection. We're here for love. It's all about love. I mean, what else is there? Right. You know, I know what else, what else are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, your story is so powerful and it's, I mean, it's so impactful. Even for me, I'm sitting here looking at you on the screen and you're telling me this story of how you had the most traumatic childhood and this super hard journey with your family and abandonment and all this stuff, but you're sitting here and you look vibrant and bright and you're full of energy and full of life and love. And I just, I feel like that's such a beautiful and powerful testament to the resilience of the human spirit. You know, oh, and yeah. even like you said, you, you were saying, you know, I'm 30 years old. Who am I to think I could start a new career? Like, <laughs> you can start over new every day Anytime. if you want to. Every you can start day. over right now. And I, I just think that's it's really, really beautiful and powerful. Um, so yeah, I, I really, really uh, appreciate you sharing all that and being so vulnerable so far. Yeah, of course. Um, I wanted to ask a couple like practical questions. So we've talked on the podcast and with Jamie Lee Finch and everything, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the brain body connection and like being disconnected from your body and finally reconnecting with your body and stuff like that. And I have a feeling that for some people that might sound really kind of enig enigmatic and they might be thinking like, Oh, I don't even know if I'm disconnected from my body. So I'd love to hear in your words, kind of what do what do you think it means to be disconnected from your body and then vice versa? Like, what does it feel like to be reconnected with your body on like a practical day-to-day -day kind of level? It's a great question. And since I've been on both sides, I'm happy to share And Being disconnected from your body is not, not taking care of yourself. And so like on a practical level, like I would do stuff like not eat when I was hungry, you know, not drink water when I was thirsty because I had other things to do, like quote other things. And so even like, I, I'm a recovering workaholic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, I would sit there and be like, oh, I'm really thirsty or I have to go to the bathroom or something. And like, no, just one more task. And then I can take care of my body. Um, also things like not recognizing, you know, emotions in yourself or shying away from the negative emotions, shying away from pain or mm. being uncomfortable, um, you know, and, when I have a bit of a temper, um, or I used to, I feel much better now that I am kind of in my body, but before it was like, I would just have these, these explosive outbursts, you know, and also, um, you know, as things like, you know, addiction. So alcohol, the only reason I was really dependent on alcohol is because I was trying to shy away from that pain mm. of like the emotional self. And so I would numb my body, um, in order to escape the pains, escapism and same thing sure. with like, you know, binge watching shows or binge eating. It was like, we do these things to our body, um, because we're trying to relieve the pain that we feel inside. So like, you know, cutting or, you know, suicide attempts, you know, whatever 
whatever you've been through, all of these things are because you don't see your body as a person. You don't see yourself as valuable and you're trying to relieve that pressure that's inside. Um, and you know, with that explosive anger, I never, I would just have these outbursts because I couldn't control myself. I couldn't control or regulate my emotions because they would just boom, they were there. And I, I didn't recognize the warning signs. Right. And so I, I wouldn't recognize when I'm starting to get angry or frustrated or anything like that. And so what I really learned through that book, the five core skills of mindfulness was just, just stop, you know, become an observer or become a witness to yourself and like leave that space between yourself and your emotions, your reactions mm-hmm. and observe, you know, one thing for me was uh, realizing when I started to feel that anxiety kind of burning in my chest, you know, I would start to feel the fluttering or like the breathlessness, the heart, I would have heart palpitations. Um, and when I started to recognize these early warning signs, um, that's when I started dropping into my body and I put, um, reminders and I still have them up reminders all over my house of, um, am I tight or relaxed? And, mm. you know, am I, am I thinking too much? Is my brain just going and I'm thinking about the 30,000 things I have to do, or am I here in this moment right now, you know, doing, whether it's washing dishes, whether it's on going on a hike or being with my children, am I even present? Am I mm. here right now? Or is my brain elsewhere? And, um, you know, now that I feel like I'm in my body, I really take care of my body. You know, I take care, I I eat the right food. I drink water, not because I have to do it, but because it feels really good. It makes me feel good. My brain Mm -hmm. is clear. You know, I don't, you know, drink alcohol excessively, um, because it makes me feel like crap when I do, you know, I don't like being hungover and Mm -hmm. I don't like, you know, throwing up or feeling sick or any of those things. Yeah. And, um, you know, a big thing for me, honestly, is, you know, sex and, you know, self-love masturbation, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Exploring your body and touching yourself as if you would touch a lover, um, you know, doing these practical things like that. Um, also, you know, journaling and meditation, like I mentioned at the beginning of our call, like I, I meditate and I journal every single morning because it's really important to me to, to talk to myself and say, you know, how are we feeling? How are we yeah. doing? You know, what, what do we want to accomplish today? What are our long-term goals, but also just today? Like, what do I want to accomplish? You know, I, I work when I need to work and I rest when I need to rest. And, you know, I took this week off of work just because I felt like I needed a week off and mm-hmm. I'm going to go up into the mountains, you know, here after we're done with our call, I'm driving up a couple hours North and just, I'm going to stay in a cabin in the woods all by myself. And because I'm connected with myself, um, I, I know what I need when I need it. Yeah. And okay. I just ask myself, I'm like, Hey babe, what do you need? You know, yeah. do you need a drink of water? Do you need a week off of work? Do you need, you know, to spend time with your children or do you need time alone? Do you need time in nature? Um, and that time in nature is also key. I think, you know, we're, we're from this earth. Our physical bodies are from this earth. And so I feel like, you know, reconnecting, you know, if, especially if you live in a city, being able to get out into nature and just breathe fresh air and just to get out away from electronics and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the energy and everything that's around us all the time. Um, those are some things that, that I do in my own life. Um, and also setting intentions and by intentions, I mean, um, like those are my values. So 
Um, I set an intention, for example, you know, I, a really simple one that I do is be kind, curious, and open. Mm -hmm. So I am kind, curious, and open. And even if I'm not in this moment, it's like, but I want to be that. So I'm going to set the intention that this is an attribute that I want, that I'm a kind, curious, open person. And then I allow people room and space to be themselves. And after you say that over and over and over and you practice it and you notice your reactions, and if you feel like that judgmental side coming out or whatever, you can observe it and you can kind of take note of it. And you're like, oh yeah, I'm a kind, curious, open person. And a kind, curious, open person doesn't say these things to others. They allow room for, you know, for them to be themselves. And so it's like just those, those little baby steps, you know, of um, setting that intention and then just working towards it and giving yourself love and grace when you fuck up. Yeah, we're all totally. It just yeah. is what it is. We're human, but that's part of the fun too, right? It's like, ooh, <laughs> I, I can change and grow however I want. You know, like you said, I I can be something new every single day. I am yeah. a new person. I'm, I, I reach a new level of awareness and awakening and love that I didn't have before. Oh, I love that. Can I answer I, your question? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Oh, totally. That's, cool. that's that's really helpful. And I mean, I feel like embodiment is something that I'm really interested in, and I feel like I've gained a lot personally. just in my experience of life by kind of doing some of these embodiment practices. And like you said, writing notes around the house and just kind of catching myself in thought loops or, or noticing the feelings in my body. And instead of just ignoring them, like stopping and taking a couple minutes and breathing through it and thinking, you know, where is this tightness in my solar plexus coming from? And is it something that needs to be addressed or is it just a habit? You know, all of those things have been super, super beneficial for me. Um, and I, I think you laid it out in a really practical and easy to understand way. So yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, oh, so is there is there anything that you feel like was especially difficult for you to kind of let go of once you left the church? Because obviously you were really pretty involved or it was a big part of your life until you were 23, you were saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so was there anything that you feel like you had to really wrestle with as you walked away from the faith? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was not having a stable foundation. And even though I never really felt like God's presence or anything like that and never got a whole lot of comfort at the same time, I always felt like, oh, he's there. God is there. God will take mm-hmm. care of me, you know, the, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so when I left the church and I kind of felt like I was floating out in the ether all by myself, I think that was probably the hardest thing to come to terms with. Um, it was honestly a relief not to serve in the church anymore. Sure. <laughs> you know, not going to church, being able to sleep in Sunday morning was great. Um, I never really fit into the church crowd. So I didn't even feel like, I left a community to be honest. Um, I know a lot of people have, I've heard that on a lot of people's journey that, Oh, I, I, I left this community that I was a part of, and that was really hard. And for me, I was like, it was honestly a relief because I I never really felt like myself. I never felt like I fit in and I could never be my true authentic self in that crowd. I just felt like I was always being judged. And I know Katie had mentioned it, you know, in a couple of episodes where it's sometimes that's really subtle, the things like the brainwashing that happened. It wasn't like they said, you have to be this way. It was like, well, a good Christian woman is this way or that way. And so you you kind of internalize these things that you're hearing over and over and over again. And so once I removed myself from that, it was easier to have a little bit of a clearer mind. So, um, 
probably just that, that illusion of stability, I will say, because it wasn't really, God wasn't stable, but mm-hmm. um, it was that illusion of stability. Um, was probably the hardest thing for me to let go totally. of and to trust in myself was really hard. I, I didn't think that that was possible. I didn't know that I could do it on my own. It was very yeah. scary. It's very scary. Totally. <laughs> and was that something that you feel like you kind of just learned to trust yourself over time or was there, you know, was the getting into fitness a big part of that or kind of what helped you bridge that gap? Cause I know that's for me, that was a big issue too. Like learning to trust myself, you leave Christianity with zero trust in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a, a, it's a job to get it, to get that trust back for sure. Yeah. And that's a good question. Cause as, as I feel like I've been awakened and kind of, you know, I'm uh, more and more aware, I just realized, and again, a lot of, a ton of growth happened since June of 2020 till now has been mm-hmm. like, just a ton of growth. And I realized at one point I was like, holy shit, I'm the one that was there the whole time. I'm the one that got myself out of the church. I'm the one who left my abusive ex-husband. I am the one who has always provided, you know, I'm a single mom and I'm like, I'm the one who's always provided for the children. You know, I found resources. I'm not saying I did it on my own, but I found resources. I made those steps. I did things to get myself to the next level. You know, I, I'm the one who got my education and the medical billing. You know, I had my own medical billing business. I'm the one who cha- completely transformed my body through fitness. I'm the one who got the personal training certification and got the job and has a very successful personal training career. You know, I've never lacked for clients. And I realized that I've been manifesting this whole time because when I think something, I'm like, I want that. I go and I get it. Yeah. So when I realized, oh my God, it wasn't God doing that. That was me. Suddenly it just changed. I I can't even explain it. It was just, I've had so many of these like aha moments or these light bulb moments over the past several months. And I was just like, oh my God, it was me. Like, if (laughs) I can do that, I can definitely do this. Yeah. That's no big deal. And um, another thing that I really enjoy is learning about the chakras. Mm-hmm. I, I see the world in color and vibration. Like I, I love color. Um, it's just how I see the world. The world is colorful and it's beautiful. It's magical. And so I, I really was drawn to the chakras. And so, you know, those are energy points along the spine. And the first mm-hmm. one is the root chakra. So that's the base of the spine. And it's all about safety and security. And um, I, I just decided I wanted to learn about chakras and how that works. And so I realized, you know, the, the spiritual ones are from here up, right? So you got the solar plexus and up, or those are kind of like your spiritual chakras. Mm-hmm. Everything below is kind of like needs um, or like physical. Sure. And so that root, it's like nothing above the root can be addressed until you address your basic needs. Am mm-hmm. I safe? Am I loved? Am I secure? You know, am I cared for? And I realized I can do that for myself. And so I started saying these affirmations in my meditation and I would, you know, I visualize that the root chakra is red. And so I visualize where it is. I visualize the color. And I just told myself, I am safe. I am cared for. I, you know, I trust the universe to provide for me. Um, I have everything that I need. And all of a sudden, I just had everything I needed. I just started manifesting whatever I needed. And then the next one up is the sacral chakra, which is orange. It's your seat of 
creativity and sexuality. And so I started to, to heal my sacral chakra. And, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. I love to write. I also play piano. I love music and all these, uh, these things. And that was a side of myself that I shut down for a very long time. I even stopped journaling for, for years. And when I started to bring that part of myself out again, I just went to a whole new level. And that's where, um, you know, through journaling, I've learned a lot about myself and I've done a lot of shadow work, you know, things of that nature, um, you know, playing with the tarot cards. And so it just kind of went up from there. So, you know, telling myself these affirmations based on the chakras and like what that chakra represents was extraordinarily helpful for me. And as I healed each chakra and that was in alignment, I just got more and more powerful. I got more and more confidence and I realized there's no plateau of perfection. There's nothing that I'm working towards. The yeah. only thing I'm working towards is being my highest, truest self. You know, you know, Joe, you have your own standards that you're trying to reach and your own joys and pleasures and uh, whatever. And I have my own and I don't have to conform to what you want for your life. And you don't have to conform to what I want in my life. We're very different people. Yeah. And that is beautiful. That's amazing. Right. You know, that's so incredible. I want you yeah. to be your highest self so I can be my highest self and we can pour into each other and we can mm -hmm. have a relationship. We can have, you know, you know, a friendship or, you know, that, that, that mutual respect of like that, that's another human out there who is doing their best. And that's awesome. And I'm going to support them in that. And then that turns around on me. And if you don't support me in that way, and I feel, you know, we're not vibing, then I can just let that go. I, yeah. I don't I can release that attachment. I don't have to have you in my life if that's not a mutually beneficial thing, you know? Yeah. And so it's just been a matter of, you know, little step, little step, little step. And all of a sudden you look back and you're like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> I did all that. I did all that. Holy yeah. shit, that's so cool, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, Remarkable. It is so remarkable and exciting that I can, my potential and your potential is literally infinite. There is right. no end to the beauty that we can reach in this life. And that's yeah. so awesome and exciting. Wow. That remarkable. is so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. That, that's, that is beautiful. I, I really, I feel really charged up by that. And I'm like already thinking, I'm not, I need to look at your book list that you sent over. And I think I'm going to read through some of those books and jump please into that. Do, so please. actually, if any of you guys are listening and you're like, I need to know what information she's getting, um, I'll put the whole list of the resources that you filled out on the please web do. form. I'll put it in the description of the um, episode. So you guys and if I can listening. plug myself just a little bit, yeah, I definitely. did just finally publish, um, call it the beginning your meditation practice. It's just a short little guide that I put together that are things that I found helpful. So I, oh, cool. I did, a, I record like a three minute video of stretching. And so like just stretching, you know, being able to kind of, again, drop into your body, you know, feel what your body's feeling mm -hmm. and then a three minute guided meditation where I just kind of gently guide you through breathing and give some affirmations related to the chakras. Um, and then like a three minute journal. And I include like a little coloring page cause I love coloring. And so it's like a yeah. mandala coloring page is really fun and therapeutic. And then also like a little journal page. So I just published that on Amazon it's called uh, beginning your meditation practice. And so I, I hope that it's okay. Like I I've never self published before. And so I'm sure that there's going to be kinks to work out, but 
Um, I think that'll be really helpful for people because it's um, it's starting out when people think, oh, meditation or whatever they're thinking. I have to sit cross-legged for three hours to get benefits. Yeah. And it's not, not true. It's not true. You can sit down for three minutes and journal. You can do that. That's physically possible for you to do, <laughs> even if you've yeah. never done it before. You can sit down and breathe for three minutes. Um, and so I call it like the nine-minute morning because you just break it up into like the three-minute stretch, three-minute meditation, then a three-minute journal. And so if people cool. are interested in that, like DM me on Instagram, like uh, it's on Amazon right now, you know, for Kindle. Yeah, I'll put a link um, to that in make, the show notes too. Please yeah, do. Totally. Thank you. Yeah. And um, if people are interested in getting like a paper copy, I can definitely uh, make a paper copy of it. Um, I probably might do that anyway. So yeah, that's just a little helpful guide. And I'm going to be, you know, writing up more stuff like that um, mm -hmm. for people because I just want to share what I know. And if I can give some value to somebody who's really struggling, I, I would love to do that. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Well, this has been amazing. I I just want to say again, I feel so honored really that you took the time to open up like this and that you're willing to be so vulnerable and share these parts of your life. I know you were saying before the call, you haven't really told a ton of people um, mm -hmm. about exactly where you're at. And so, yeah, I just want to really honor that. And thank you so much for being open and vulnerable and willing to share with us all. Because yeah, it's it's a big deal. It's really touched me having this conversation with you. And I'm, I'm positive that a lot of people who are listening are going to be really touched by what you shared as well. And really inspired. I feel inspired. I want to go read some books and go meditate and Yay. put notes around my house again. Um, yeah. yeah. So th this has been really, really great. Well, I, I appreciate it a lot. Yeah, I appreciate you very much. And Katie as well, because you guys, again, I just want to reiterate that you're, you were instrumental in, in my healing in the beginning of that journey and to know that I wasn't alone, that there were other people out there like me, that was mind blowing. I had no idea. I, it, as you know, being Christianity sometimes feels very isolating. Definitely. And so thank you for, for giving me this space and this time and <laughs> creating the community that you have. Seriously. It's, I almost feel like, I know this is kind of silly, but like, you're like kind of like a celebrity to me. I'm like, oh my God, I get to know. <laughs> this is so cool. Like, <laughs> I appreciate you and that's great. So thank you uh, very much. I'm really much. touched. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Cool.